Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We look forward to sharing our guest with you today. Ben Nemton and his three childhood friends started The Buried Life in Victoria, B.C. in 2006. They made a list of 100 things to do before you die, and for every list item they accomplished, they helped a complete stranger cross something off of their bucket list. Since then, they have crossed off write a number one New York Times bestselling book, make a TV show on MTV, be interviewed by Oprah, and have helped reunite a father and son after 17 years and surprised a young girl with a much-needed bionic arm. Ben and his friends have crossed off 91 of 100 dreams and are currently filming the Buried Life documentary film. Enjoy this episode. We are very excited today on the Action Catalyst to have Ben Nempton with us. As you've just heard, Ben is one of the most unusual background guests that we've ever had, and I know he's got a lot of amazing things to share with us. So Ben, welcome. We're glad to have you on the Action Catalyst. Thank you so much. I'm excited to share. You know, when we hear in your bio that you, you experienced uh, unexpected depression during your first year at, un at university, this is something that is so common with university students. It'd be great if you could start by just sharing, how did you take that experience that could have been so debilitating and instead let it sort of put you in a new path? Or how, how did you respond to that huge brick wall early in your life? Well, I was in my first year of university and I was, um, everything was going really well for me in the sense that I, I had worked really hard to get an academic scholarship to go to school. I was playing rugby at a, at a fairly high level and I just found out that I made the national rugby team. And uh, rugby in Canada is a pretty big sport. So I was pretty excited. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. So over time, this pressure built up. You know, I was training for the World Cup. Uh, I was playing in a high pressure, pressure position. Uh, I had to keep up my grades. And um, I started losing sleep. And this lack of sleep, this anxiety that I was feeling, this pressure that I put on myself, all sort of accumulated into uh, me experiencing my first ever depression. And it was, it was really quite uh, uh, debilitating for me. I dropped out of school. I got dropped from the national rugby team. I became a shut-in in my parents' house, unable to really leave the house. And I did a number of things that ultimately turned um, this experience around. And um, one of those, I just started talking about it. You know, I was very ashamed of it to begin with. I, did, I thought that there was something wrong with me. And when I started talking about it to my friends, uh, to my family, ultimately to a therapist, I realized that I really wasn't alone in, this, in these feelings. And uh, that's actually ultimately one of the things that I talk about is that this sometimes happens and that's okay. And so I started to talk about it I, and I started to change the people that I surrounded myself with. I decided to only surround myself with people that were going to inspire me or at least lift me up, give me energy versus take energy from me. And that's when I reached out to a kid from the neighborhood. His name's Johnny. And Johnny was a, a filmmaker. He's two years younger than me. And I said, Johnny, you know, you're an inspiring guy. You make movies. I'd love to make a movie. And we got three other friends together. 
and we decided to make a movie about the most epic bucket list we could ever think of. And we'd, we'd, we'd write this list and we'd also help other people accomplish things on their bucket list. And the idea was really uh, came from a poem written 150 years ago called The Buried Life. And The Buried Life was uh, 19, 1852. Uh, um, and it was written by a guy named Matthew Arnold in England. And it talked about the day-to-day burying what you really wanted to do. And it I just struck me uh, when Johnny was in English class, he got signed this poem, he sent it over to, to us. He said, read this poem. And then when I read it, I, I thought this is exactly how I feel. I've been buried. You know, I've been living the life other people wanted for me, not the life that I wanted. And so we thought, well, I guess this feeling of feeling buried is not, uh, we're not the first people to feel like this. We decided to call this, this film we were making, The Buried Life. And our list was emblematic of all of our buried dreams, all the things that we've been putting off till tomorrow or next week or next year, or, you know, just hadn't ever gone after. And so we wrote this list and we boarded an RV. We got a camera on eBay and we decided to take a two week road trip at the end of summer before we went back to university to go after our list and help other people. But it really spawned from this, this dark time that I had. And that was the catalyst for me to, to, to decide to unbury my dreams, right? Unbury the true uh, me, uh, because I really was going down a path that um, really was living for others versus versus myself. So there was a lot of positives that came out of it. And now over time, I've learned a lot more about myself that I will have ups and downs throughout my life. And I've learned tools of how to navigate those and, and hopefully pass those on to others who will inevitably go through, you know, some similar, similar ups and downs, especially in these times. You know, one of the things that's most inspiring about what you just said is that it's easy to look at someone like you and say, this person never really faced any setbacks. They've had it made. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you have faced severe setbacks and the lessons that you learned about being willing to talk about the depression, to seek the right kind of help, and above all, to surround yourself with people that are going to uplift and not people that are going to put you down. Those are important mm-hmm. nuggets, Ben. Great takeaways already. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think that uh, there's a lot of silver linings with these struggles that we face. And in the moment, it's very hard to see those. You know, you hear all the time, hey, you know, well, what's the upside of this? There will be a positive that comes out of this hardship. And when you're in it, you think, you don't tell me that. This is, there's no positive. Uh, but once you work through it and you get some space and perspective, you realize that those dark times are actually the prime time for you to grow and evolve and learn and you bring those learnings with you and it forces you to look at things that sometimes you don't want to. Um, And so you work muscles like vulnerability, you work muscles like not getting things the way that you want them or your way. And all those things serve you later on in, in life. And I think the truth is we all struggle. You know, I don't think anyone is immune to the human struggle. I think to be human is to struggle. And I think accepting that is a really important step in our you know personal development and evolution is just to understand listen as human beings we're going to have ups but we're also going to have downs and as much as we love to talk about the ups we need to talk about the downs as well and what i realized when i finally embraced that and i started to share my story you know and i shared on stage and it was very difficult for me to do it the first time because i was i was scared i was shot i was ashamed right i thought it was a weakness to have struggled with depression and to still struggle with it at some point in my life. And, um, and my hands were shaking when I first shared that story. 
the first time I spoke about it and, and the next time still shaking, but my hands were shaking a little bit less and then a little bit less. And, and now I look forward to the opportunity to talk about it because I know it's a tool that I have to help others. So I think those things that you think are your weaknesses can actually be your strengths when you embrace them rather than try and hide them. And so I really see it as a gift now that I can help others through my experience and, you know, it, at the very least, just normalizing the conversation in some way. Um, and then once we're there, uh, we can start talking and thinking about our goals. Right. Well, it seems like just by being willing to say that in front of an audience, you're throwing a lifeline out there because there's a percentage of people sitting there that are coping with exactly the same emotions and thinking, I must be the only one. What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. You're letting them know, no, 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 it's not, nothing is wrong with you. This, this is part of the human condition. Absolutely. And if you look at the numbers, you know, at least 25% of every audience will be struggling with something uh, similar, you know, mm -hmm. so one in five people struggle with their mental health and uh, that's what's recorded. I think it's probably more. And uh, again, there, you can, that's rather comforting if you're going through it. You know that the person sitting next to you might be going through something as well. And um, therefore, you know, speaking about it may not only help you, it also may help them because then they are able to come back to you and talk about their struggles in their time of need, right? The truth is everyone will go through some sort of crisis in their life. Uh, so by you talking about what you're going through, you're really uh, opening the door for them to come back to you eventually. So it's, uh, I think it's an important conversation. I think, you know, now there's, there's more, more people struggling and, uh, and, and so we have enough to deal with. What we shouldn't have to deal with is the, uh, just the, the stigma, you know? It, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it serves any of us. And so uh, my goal is to sort of help normalize that conversation. And uh, so we can, we can continue to tackle the things that are truly important. I think it's awesome. Digging a little bit deeper into that early phase, what was the most challenging or difficult part about changing your friend group? Because it's easy to say that, mm -hmm. but when we have long relationships with people, it's not easy to actually do that. It's not easy. And it's especially difficult when they're family. Uh, you can't necessarily just distance yourself from certain family members that maybe aren't serving you. So I think the first thing is building some awareness around the idea that some people may be serving you more than others. Some people may be giving you energy more than others, or some people may be inspiring you. And if you can't physically distance yourself from some of the people that are draining you, at least know that, hey, I may have to put up a bit of a wall, at least be aware that this is happening. And then you can be proactive with the people that you are hanging out with or surrounding yourself with. So that if you find people that really inspire you, you can actively uh, seek to hang out with people that are around them because usually, you know, people are hanging out with like-minded individuals. So you can start moving into different circles and you don't have to uh, shut the door on relationships that may not be serving you, but you just don't have to keep them as engaged as you might if you weren't conscious of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, along the way, it became much more than just pursuing your own audacious bucket list. Very early on, you wanted to help other people achieve theirs. How, how did that thought process occur and how did you actually implement that? And can you share maybe a couple of examples of people that you've helped in some amazing ways? Yeah. So when we looked at our list that we had created, we pretended when we wrote the list that we had 
$10 million in our bank and that we had the ability to do anything. So this bucket list was very audacious. So it was things like make a TV show, uh, go to space, sit with Oprah, have a beer with Prince Harry, pay off our parents' mortgage. We really, there was no limit to what we could write down. Keep in mind, we never thought we would achieve any of them, but we did think it would be fun to go after some of them. And when we looked at this list, we thought, well, there's no way we can accomplish this list on our own. We're going to need to help other people to accomplish these list items. So how about every time we cross something off our list, we help someone else accomplish something on their list. So that's how that idea came about. It just made sense. It felt like the natural thing to do. If we were going to go out accomplishing things on our list, let's also help other people accomplish their goals. We didn't, again, know how we were going to do it, but we just thought we would try and so this was back in 2006. And keep in mind, it's just the four of us there. Uh, we have an old RV that wasn't supposed to make it back home. Uh, we had fundraised through um, cold calling companies and throwing fundraiser parties. Uh, we worked extra jobs so that we could save up enough to take this two weeks off before we went back to school. And so we really big board and stole to put this thing together and we hit the road and we didn't know how we were going to help people. But as we started to get to, to go and it started to get in the news and people started emailing us being like, hey, I saw your list online. I can help you do this. I can help you do that. Um, they also sent us their dreams. So we were being flooded with all of these dreams from strangers. And so we got to look at them and we thought, wow, this is really interesting. Let's go see if we can interview this person. And the first person we interviewed was a guy named Brent in Kelowna, BC. And his dream was to give pizzas to the homeless shelter in, his, in, in Kelowna. And we thought, well, this could be perfect for us because we don't have very much money, but we can afford some pizza. So we'll go meet Brent and we'll ask him why and we'll talk to him about his story. And when we met him, we learned the reason why he wanted to bring pizzas down to the homeless shelter was because he had lived in that homeless shelter for many years. And he told us when people came in with food to the shelter, it felt like the best day because it felt like someone actually cared about him. And then we learned that Brent had pulled himself out of this homeless shelter by starting his own landscaping business. And this landscaping business relied on this old truck. The old truck had recently broken down. And when we asked him, is there anything we can do to help? He'd make no mention of the pizzas, oh, sorry, the truck. He'd always talk about bringing the pizzas to the homeless shelter. So we got together and said, as this guy's so selfless, his whole business is on the rocks. And when we asked him if we can help, he only mentions giving back to the homeless shelter, bringing the pizzas to the homeless shelter. So we thought, we got to figure out where to get this guy a truck. The problem was we had $480 between the four of us collectively. And Canadian, by the way. So you know, coming to Canada, it's less. <laughs> so we went to a uh, used car salesman. We told them Brent's story. And the cheapest truck on the lot was $2,100. And he agreed to give us the $2,100 for $480. And he paid for the insurance out of his own pocket. So we drove the truck up to Brent. We just tossed him the keys. As soon as he understood what was going on, he immediately bear hugged me and started to cry and didn't let go for a very long time. And that moment was so massive for us because this is the first time we'd ever in our lives gone out of our way to help someone that we didn't know. And the feeling that gave us was very new and also resonated. And we also learned a valuable lesson that day. And that was when you give other people a chance to be a hero, they usually take it. So 
the only way from that point on and to this day, the only way we help other people is through the help of other people. So we're kind of the middleman, right? We're the catalyst of there's someone that needs something to achieve their dream. And we're able to find that person that wants to help to make it happen. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's not make a wish cause we're not coming in with, uh, the funds to do it, but we are coming with the spirit and we are coming with the intention and we are coming with the hustle to figure out a way to make it happen or just the emotional support. You know, someone was uh, afraid of heights. So we helped them conquer that, uh, on the flip side, someone, uh, uh, we met someone on the street who was, he was actually selling his art on the sidewalk. And he said his dream was to reconnect with his son. He hadn't seen him in 17 years. And we were able through Facebook and some other technology, we were able to track down his son and we called his son and we were able to reconnect the two of them. And they're now, uh, they spend last time we heard every Christmas together. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it doesn't take much to make a huge impact. And I think that that's one of the real takeaways I've learned in throughout this whole process is the, this idea of a ripple effect. And we've all heard about the ripple effect. You know, it's sort of when you drop something in the water, it creates a ripple and many ripples that continue to go until it hits the shore. So when you help someone, you don't just help that one person, right? You help the people around them. So you help their families, their friends. And so you create this exponential impact that ripples on beyond, far beyond what you'll ever know. And it, it doesn't take much to create a ripple. Connecting a father and son, that is a big ripple. But there, we have the ability to create positive ripples in our lives every day. Everyone does. A smile creates a ripple. A compliment creates a ripple. You know, a good deed you know, to a stranger creates a ripple. You know, reconnecting with someone that you've lost touch with creates a ripple. All these things create an incredible impact that not just impact that one person, it impacts the people around them. So we, we have this incredible power to ultimately change the world. And I know it, it may sound idyllic, but I'll give you an example. If I think back to what inspired me to start this journey, The Buried Life, when I decided to surround myself with people that inspired me, it was because a friend of mine, and I didn't know him too well, he was really an acquaintance. An acquaintance from high school started a clothing line out of the blue. And I was so inspired that he just, just started this clothing line with no experience that I wanted to get involved. And I helped him with a couple things and I got excited about it. And I thought, man, if he made a clothing line, I wonder what I could do. I wanna make a movie. And that's when I called Johnny and The Buried Life began. And then there's been all these people that have been inspired by the buried life to pursue their bucket list. And I, there's, there's a couple examples of people that are now making a much larger impact than we'll ever make, right? Like music superstars and, and athletes in, in professional sports that were inspired by the buried life to go after their thing. So you think about the impact that they've created through what they are doing by living their true purpose and their dream, right? So from, from a 10,000 foot view, very massive scale of impact. You, you take that back. It doesn't come back to us. It comes back to this one kid that started a clothing line. The clothing line wasn't successful. It only lasted for two years. But just by him doing what he loved, he created this ripple that still goes on to this day. And so there's an incredible ripple effect that happens when you help someone. And there's also an incredible ripple effect 
when you do what you love. And that's why I talk about a bucket list. And that's why I think it's so important to prioritize your personal goals is because it actually helps other people. Because when you do what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. And that is what this is the, the, the genesis of this ripple effect. And that's something I didn't realize when we started. I used to think a bucket list was selfish, you know, self-serving to go after your own personal goals. Uh, and now I realize that it, it's, it's, it's not just selfish. It's actually, it's actually the opposite. It's service. Uh, and you, you, you get to uh, increase your own mental health and well-being. It improves your performance at work because all aspects of your life uh, affect your performance at work. It, it, it helps those around you because you can't take care of other people because if you don't take care of yourself. And, and ultimately, it has a real impact on your legacy as well. So, you know, uh, all, all of these things have, have led me to believe that it's not selfish to have a bucket list. I think it's actually vitally important for the vitality of your personal and your professional life. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there, Ben. That is so exciting to hear. And the fact that we can get a certain distance through selfishness. In other words, it's a really powerful fuel, but it gets very low mileage. Mm -hmm. Selflessness never really stops because those ripples hit the shore and they come right back and buoy us up again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, uh, how do you keep your edge? You know, you're, you're a young guy, you've spoken in front of large numbers of people in New York times, bestseller. You're pretty easy for your head to swell up bigger than the picture we're looking at here. How do, you, how do you keep your edge? How do you keep growing and striving? I think I might know the answer, but I'd love to hear from you. Well, I have continued to be pretty conscious about the people that I surround myself with, and my friends continue to inspire me. Uh, I have a community that is striving for great things, and every day I see my friends doing things that make me feel just in awe. And it, it also makes me feel... As though, well, if, if they did that, you know, I, what, what should I be doing? You know, what can I be doing? Because I know they're no different than me. I hang out with them all the time. And so it inspires me to, to push forward. And I think that same circle has also kept me grounded. I think if I would have done this, this project on my own, one, I wouldn't have succeeded. But the fact that I had the three other guys, Dave, Duncan, and Johnny, and we had each other through the rise of this whole a journey, you know, the MTV show, the book, the speaking, and uh, everything in between, we were able to check each other. And, uh, and, and there were times when one of us started to fly off the rails a little bit. And it just took one of the other guys or the group to say, hey, listen, are you paying attention to what you're doing here? And that brought us back. And again, when we didn't feel like going for things, I think the group, uh, propelled the, the person that didn't want to do it forward, you know, when they were having a dip. So mm -hmm. uh, that's something that's been, been ex extremely helpful for me. And just, I think trying to continue to uh, not suppress my creativity. I think creativity is a undervalued pillar of wellness. And when I start to suppress my creativity, cause I, I'm too busy or I'm working on things that don't allow me to express that creativity. I start to flatline uh, or I start to go down. And for me, when I'm able to express that, and I think that creativity is one of the truest expressions of yourself. So whether you're doing it as your profession or you're doing it on the side, perhaps you like to paint or draw or sing or play sports, 
you know, I think that those are so valuable because they allow us to just be that person uh, and not have a mask and, and not have any filter. And I think that's just good for the soul. And so for me, I try and continue to be creative. And that's why I love to speak because for me, that's kind of like my canvas. You know, I, I look at it as performing and um, it's different every time you step on stage because it's a different audience. And, you know, you have to say things in a different way and you're delivering a different message. So it's, it's, never, it's, it's never the same experience. So it keeps me on my toes and allows me to, uh, to flex that muscle. Yeah, I think it's just fantastic. Do you, do you have, Ben, a, a morning routine, a way you try to start your day that gives you some habit patterns that have been proven effective for you? I do. So I uh, am a big believer in meditation. I'm lucky that my parents meditated when I was growing up, and they uh, forced me to learn how to meditate uh, slightly against my will when I was 19. So I learned transcendental meditation and I try and meditate in the morning for 20 minutes. Now, I don't always get to do it, but that's what I, I try and do. And I also try and do some sort of exercise. And it, even if it's five minutes, push-ups till I can't do any more push-ups or uh, sit-ups or pull-ups or something like that. So some sort of exercise. And then I make a, a smoothie or I make a coffee that I put sometimes some ghee or some MCT oil or some cacao or other superfoods to sustain me. Or sometimes I'll drink yerba mate throughout the day if I'm staying at home because I can have that throughout the day. That's sort of this contained uh, uh, stimulus that is doesn't have too many peaks and valleys. So mm -hmm. uh, the I'm actually uh, at the moment in, in Austin and we're right on the lake. And so every morning uh, I go in the – lake and i usually live in venice beach so i try and do that as well in the ocean so i just feel totally revitalized when i jump in any body of water so although i sometimes don't want to do it i i, I definitely uh i, I make sure I, I i try and do that every day and if i can't then i'll do a hot cold shower just to get that uh that hit so yeah meditation exercise hot, cold shower, or if you can jump in a body of water. And uh, I, I start my day off from, you know, from a meal perspective, pretty light with, uh, mm -hmm. with a smoothie or a coffee. Mm -hmm. Physical, mental, emotional, jump starting your day in a good, consistent pattern. That's awesome. You got it. We're recording this today, Ben, on the 7th of May, 2020. The COVID-19 crisis continues unabated. Some places are trying to open up slowly, others are not. And there are a lot of people really scared. Uh, a lot of people have lost a great deal. Some have lost loved ones. Some are sick right now as they listen to this. What encouragement could you offer to somebody that is so overwhelmed that it's really difficult for them to see where to put their next foot? It's a really good question. And, you know, it's a delicate uh, answer, I think, because it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Because everyone's situation is different. But what I... So, so, so what I can tell you is I can tell you things that have worked for me when I have felt scared, uh, when I have felt overwhelmed by the uncertainty. And one of the things that's helped me is practicing gratitude. And I think that what we can all be grateful for right now is we are alive. 
if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching it, you are alive. That is an incredible thing. Some people have not made it through this. You have made it through this. Every day we should be thankful that we are alive. But there are also many other things that we can be grateful for. Little things. You know, Dale Carnegie talks talks about typically in our life, 90% is going well and 10% is not. But we fixate on the 10%. We focus on the 10%. The 10% is what keeps us up at night. The 90% we tend to overlook. So force yourself to look at the 90%. You know, did you get out of, bo- get out of bed this morning? Could you walk? Are you able-bodied? How are your lungs? Can you call your loved ones? Uh, were you able to do exercise? Uh, did you listen to a song that you love? You know, little things that you can be grateful for every day changes the way that you feel because you feel the way that you that your uh, mind is focusing. And you your brain doesn't have the capacity to think about two things at once. So you're really going to shift the way that you feel. So what does that look like in execution? If you're a journaler, you could every night before you go to bed, just list three things in your journal that you're grateful for from the day. Uh, when you wake up, you could do that again, three things. If you're not a big journaler, just think about one thing that you're grateful for before you go to bed and think about one thing that you're grateful for when you wake up. You know, that will make a huge, huge impact. I mentioned meditation. You know, I think meditation is uh, mindfulness, let's call it, you know, it, it is something to think about because it doesn't have to be 20 minutes of meditation. Um, I think that sometimes we get hung up on the uh, barrier to entry for meditation. Mindfulness can be breath. And I think that when you start to feel anxious, just simply by taking a deep breath through your lower abdomen, pushing your belly button out, slow breath out, that stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, right? Which, as you know, is rest and repose. So you suddenly start to feel like you're going into a place of rest versus fight or flight, which is stress, where usually we're breathing through our chest, shallow breaths. So if we're able to consciously, if you start to feel overwhelmed or anxious, just stop and take three breaths in your lower abdomen. That will force your body to slow down and calm down. And so that's a great form of mindfulness. Uh, There's great free applications for your phone, like Headspace and Calm, right, which are also easy entry points into meditation, two minute guided meditations, three minute guided meditations. So that's, that's great. And you know what, something that I think is, is uh, often overlooked, just especially if we're talking about in this time where we're spending more time isolated in our phone, in our homes, uh, you know, is this idea that comes from Japan, that's forest bathing. So in Japan, it's actually mandated well, it's not mandated by the government. It's, it's suggested by the government to spend 20 minutes in nature a day, not exercising, just using your senses, eyes, nose, mouth, uh, and just to soak it in. And that increases your happiness and your well-being. So if you can get out in nature for 20 minutes, please try and do so. That helps. If you can't, then what you can do is you can bring nature inside. And so you can bring plants and greenery inside. And I've noticed that that's made a huge difference, just seeing those plants in indoors. Um, and then the last, you know, I would say, you know, we've talked about gratitude. We've talked about nature. And the last I would say is just this idea of uh, purpose and connecting back to your purpose. This is, a, this is a time where we have more time to think about what's important to you. 
And I think it's a great time to think about your list, your bucket list, because typically we don't stop to think about what's important to us because we're moving so quickly and we're just trying to catch up. So that, that, that those moments of reflection are so important and, and so rare that now we can capitalize and start to make our list of the things that we want to do big or small in our life, whether we can do them in isolation or it's the carrot at the end of the stick that we can look forward to after we get out of quarantine. But this idea of taking time to think about your list is so important because there's a great psychologist from Cornell's, his name's Tom Gilovich, and he ran a study and wrote an academic paper in the journal Emotions where he found that people at the end of their life don't regret the things that they did, they regret the things that they didn't do. And when he asked people on their deathbed, what is your number one regret in your entire life? 76% of people had the exact same answer. And that was not living my ideal self. So living the life someone else wanted for me, not me, right? Which is what I, how I felt when I sunk into my depression in college. And so if 76% of people are reaching their deathbed, and that is their number one regret, I wish I would have lived the life I wanted, not the life I thought other people wanted for me. This is such a great time to rewrite your story and to write your list on your terms. What are the things that are important to you? You know, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? If you had the ability to do anything, what would you do? You know, you can figure out how to do it next, <laughs> but just take the time to start to redraft uh, what your story is, or at least tweak it because we all veer off course, right? That's why it's called the buried life. And the poem was written 150 years ago. This is the human condition. This is just what happens to humans, human beings. The day-to-day -day buries those things that are, you know, truly important to us. So our list is our roadmap, you know, brings us back to our true north so that we can continue to follow those things that we know are going to bring us joy and happiness and fulfillment. So it's a great time to think about your purpose and to start to move towards those because that will bring you a greater sense of well-being. And uh, now you can take small steps towards those things that will ultimately build momentum, build inspiration and drive you forward. Oh, Ben, this is exactly what the doctor ordered today. So thank you. How, how can our listeners and our viewers keep up with you? What's the best way? Do you have a website or a feed yes, they should so, get into? Yeah, I would suggest two things. One is my website, which is bennempton.com. And you can uh, sign up for my newsletter, which I'll, I'm putting out weekly, uh, uh, sorry, bi-weekly newsletters. And uh, for more consistent uh, updates, it's probably best to subscribe to my Instagram or Twitter. And I'm most active on Instagram. So say hello at one of those places. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for, for having me on this podcast. Well, we're delighted to have you. And I know that we'll hear much more from you as you continue to serve people. One of the big takeaways here is a person does not need to know how to achieve a big dream. Dream the dream anyway and go for it. And this is a big part of what you've shared. We really appreciate you being on the Action Catalyst. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.